Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight for us to be with you on this now uh, June the 22nd of 2020. We pray that you have had uh, a good weekend as uh, this Sunday we celebrated Father's Day. And and once again, we pray that all our fathers, listeners that are listening, uh, had a great time with their families. We are excited about this week. This is the beginning of the week. Uh, yesterday, excuse me, last Friday, we thought we might conclude our series on the Ten Virgins, but we saw how the Lord began to give us more and more, and, and I believe we're going to continue uh, there, uh, at least I know today. And there's so much to talk about, uh, so many things that happened over the weekend, and and as the Lord leads, I know some of these things will be mentioned, but it's always a pleasure to be here with the panel. So glad to be here this morning with uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, uh, my brothers in, in the Lord, uh, to be able to uh, study the Word of God. As always, we try to look at the Word of God with a prophetic lens and what is it saying to us today. So without further ado, we're excited about this week. And uh, Brother Marty, uh, we leave it to you to share what God has placed in, in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be back, and we're looking forward to part four of our series, uh, The Ten Virgins, the Parable of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, as we've been exploring, we, and we encourage you who are listening and have been listening to open your, your Bibles, please, and we're going to begin today out of Matthew chapter 25. Uh, we're going to read uh, a little bit of scripture here, beginning with the first verse. And Brother Jeremy, while while I have you uh, there, do you have your, your Bible with you? Yes, I do. Okay, can you turn over to Exodus chapter uh, 11? We'll, we'll get there in a minute. But we're going to read this. I'll read this right here, uh, beginning with Matthew 25. Uh, this is uh, part four as we continue on this Monday. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 1 says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps, and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And dropping down to verse 6, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Truly I say unto you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We thank you for your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Amen. Lord. <laughs> so <clears throat> as we explored we explored on Friday when we closed out, we got down here to the sixth verse uh, discussing the midnight cry. And I began with the first verse just for a brief little review. Uh, again, we've been talking about how the Lord was answering three specific questions that were given to him by his, 
his disciples on the last week of his public ministry. Uh, he's about three days from being crucified here and going to Calvary. And he he has offered himself to the to the religious establishment, the Sanhedrin and the rulers of Israel, for three and a half years now. And they have rejected his ministry and fought him at every turn. And finally, he rides into Jerusalem. He's heralded as the Messiah. And he spends several days there in the temple, wherein at every turn he's being resisted and uh, and refused by the leadership. And so he finally reaches the point where he, he pronounces judgment on them and tells them that he was going to leave the temple and that they would not see him there as a nation again until they were willing to cry, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And so he leaves and he goes out to the Mount of Olives in Matthew 24. And there he's asked by his disciple three questions for he had revealed to them that all the temple would be destroyed, which indeed it was in AD 70 by the Romans. But there he's he's confronted by his disciples and, and he, he they ask him three things. They say, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming? And what shall be the sign of your coming in relation to the end of the world? So the third question they asked him was the end of the world. And he begins to respond. Matthew 24 is an account of that answer, answering all three questions, basically. And so when we get to chapter 25, he picks it up uh, in the flow of, of the last question, the end of the world. Then there's some very defining things, very particular things that he begins to bring out here. In verse 1, like we talked about before, it says that the ten virgins take their lamps and they go forth to meet the bridegroom. So as we have been talking, and we encourage you to go back and listen to the last three parts, we believe that this parable is specifically dealing with the end of the world or the end of the age is really how it should be said. And that what we see here, therefore, with that lens and understanding the context in which the Lord is answering these questions, is that we have to view it from the perspective of the end of time. Now, there's been many scholars, many theologians throughout the years that like to present this parable in a way that 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 speaks of the of the church uh you know existing over the last 2000 years. And and they try to say that it's been the last 2000 years uh which is why they slumbered and they slept. Because that's where the story goes on to in verse 5, that while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And so it has been traditionally and classically taught that <clears throat> that slumbering and sleep represents the church age and, and the long extended period of time in which the Lord leaves. And while you, can, you could present it that way and kind of, you know, teach it that way, in truth, it is not, uh, you know, intellectually or theologically uh, in keeping with the flow of the answer of the three questions we just talked about, and right. there are specific right, and there are specific keys within this parable, this story that the Lord gives, that alert us to that fact that there are certain things that He says in here as we've been exploring it that it cannot represent the entirety of the last two thousand years. It's time specific; it has to be. Because of the things and, and, that he begin, begins to say. Go ahead. The, the number 10, it, it speaks of that. It speaks of uh, culmination. Um, now, while the, the events of church history 
are have have in part formed or have formed the end time generation church that uh, the parable is signaling to. So we do have to go back into history to understand how we got there, right? Yes. So history is a huge part. Church history is a huge part of it, but it's not speaking of a church dispensation or age from you know from back two thousand years ago to now. It is speaking specifically. Uh, it's a it's it's a follow up on Matthew twenty four, which concerned the times of the end. So the parable uh, is speaking yeah. about the end, because in those days, then shall the kingdom of God be likened unto ten virgins. That's right, and ten being, like you said, the number of a full or complete church. Virgins right. being uh, those that are espoused or engaged to a bridegroom, right? And we talked about, you know, the types and the shadows of that in our first three podcasts, where. Uh, you know, the Last Supper represents that marriage contract because this is, we need to understand one of the main things for us who study the Word of God, those of you listening who study the Word of God, uh, is that we need to remember that the Bible was written by Hebrew people, by Jewish people, and Jesus was Jewish, (laughs) right? Right. When we read the scriptures, we have to read them, especially the gospel accounts and, and other portions of scripture, have to be specifically understood from a Jewish perspective and and, and, and mm-hmm. in order to get a full flavor of what's being expressed here. When we talk about virgins and bridegrooms, we're basically talking about uh, in, in the symbolism that Jesus is giving. If we apply that understanding, then we have a, a fuller understanding. When When they go out to meet the bridegroom, like Brother Fernando just pointed out, the fact that he calls them virgins indicates that they are symbolic of of an espoused or an engaged bride. She's engaged to a bridegroom. The fact that he uses the number 10, like Brother Fernando just said, it represents a full and complete um, age because he's referencing the time that then in the future shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to this. So what we're saying is we believe that he's talking about a, a church that's engaged to the bridegroom and it has come to a full and complete state. It has grown into its fullness. And so it, 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 is, it is engaged to the Lord. That's what we see in the Last Supper, as we pointed out, when Jesus cuts the new and the everlasting covenant. He's talking about a covenant of marriage with his bride. But in Jewish tradition, the covenant is cut, the marriage contract is cut first, then a price has to be paid or a dowry, and then the bridegroom goes away, and he begins to prepare a an, a an additional room on his father's house. And then after that room is completed and the father has inspected it, he then turns to the bridegroom and says, now go get your bride. And then he comes back. Uh, usually within a year, he comes back, and he brings the bride to his house. And so okay. this is right. This, for example, that uh, the, the, what you said, Brother Modi, the the dowry that is paid initially, I believe the Jews call it a a motar, a motar, which is uh, a redemptive a redemptive gift. You know, um, yeah. There's a lot of beauty and symbolism uh, of what you're talking about. And in other words, if you want to understand this ten virgins parable, you have to study a Jewish wedding, right? And the process where it speaks about what you're talking about. You know, initially coming and then the the bridegroom going out, like you said, and building a a house, a room, yes. right, in his father's and, and house. That's what, and, the, and the reason they call it redemption, right, is because he's paying the price 
to take to yes. take possession of the bride. <laughs> you know, so he, he yes. paid, and that's what he did on Calvary. The price that he paid for his bride was in his own precious blood. He shed his blood for his bride. He he redeemed her unto himself, unto the Father. Right? He redeemed us. So he cuts the marriage contract at the Last Supper, and then he pays the price on Calvary. He then goes away, right? He goes away, and 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 even that night he promised them at the at the Passover table when he told his disciples, "I go away to prepare a place for you." He said, "Where I am, there you may be also." And he said, "If it wasn't so, I would have told you." But if I go away, he says, "I will come back." That's that's that's. That's the bridegroom talking to the bride. I'm going to come back and get you <laughs> so you can yeah. see where I'm at, right? <clears throat> so he was talking that way to them. And 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 they and in them recording those those conversations, especially in the Gospel of St. John chapter 14 is what I'm quoting from. Uh he he is talking this marriage contract. Another thing we pointed out and and where we are today cuz we're going to zone in on midnight chapter uh 25 verse 6 cuz he he references midnight I mean, there's reasons why, and we want to look into that. But remember, when he made the marriage contract, he made it during Passover. He became the Passover lamb, right? So they're all actually gathered into Jerusalem at the Passover festival. This is when this is being revealed to us. This is when he was asked those three questions we said. This is when he's revealing the end of the world in chapter 25. It's all centered around Passover. And it's also traditionally when uh, bridegrooms would, would become engaged to their virgin brides. They always did it around Passover because it was the spring. It spoke of new life. It spoke of, of renewal. It spoke of the world yes. coming out of, its, out of its winter season into its you know, glorious fragrance. Everything's blooming. Everything's blossoming. It speaks of new life and hope. That's when they would cut the marriage contract. And then the the bridegroom would go away and usually within the tradition he would return approximately one year later at the Passover season. He would always come back at the same time he cut the covenant at the Passover season. But they would never know exactly what day he was coming. Just sometime within that Passover season he would return. And so they had to be ready. They had to have uh, sufficient oil for the lamps because traditionally he would come at night he would come at midnight so listen <laughs> somewhere around midnight right so so we've you know we've explored many aspects of the parable and we're going to zone in just a little bit on verse six because <clears throat> to examine the story a little deeper we need to look closer because timing with the lord is everything and and those of you who grow all of us as we grow in the scriptures we begin to understand these things, that God doesn't just speak just to speak. Everything is specific. And for those that become trained in the things of God, and as we grow in the knowledge of God, we begin to grow and understand things on a much deeper level. So we, we want to look at the, the story a little deeper and understand that timing is everything. And that the Lord right. is speaking, you know, he's speaking this parable just three days before Calvary. When he's beginning to re reveal what it would be at the end of the world, it's about three days before Calvary. Now, it reveals something else for us to consider, like we were just talking about. When was he giving this parable? It was during the mm -hmm. Passover season, right? It right. was Passover season. 
and and quite frankly, uh, Passover night <laughs> is when he's when he's actually because later that night they would actually go and 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 uh, and celebrate the Passover. Um, <clears throat> now listen, uh, timing is everything, like we said, and we need to consider it was Passover because that's why uh, he begins in verse six to use. He starts by drawing our attention to midnight, right? In verse six, can you read verse six, brother Jeremy? Of uh, of the Matthew twenty-five. Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. I was in Exodus, but I'll go to Matthew twenty-five. Here we go. All right. Uh, it says, "And at midnight there was a cry made: Behold, the bridegroom cometh; go ye out to meet him." Right. So, again, understand how Jesus talks to us, because he he speaks very, very pointedly. But he speaks with such incredible depth and wisdom as to conceal to the undiscerning what he's trying to actually communicate. He has not left himself without witness. He has revealed to us everything that we're going to need to know. And so when you read about virgins, you read about bridegrooms, you, all of this is occurring right around the Passover season. It is occurring during Passover season. And as he goes into the story, he starts talking more like Passover because he's trying to click the Jewish mind to midnight. And, and the parallels that the Passover have as it relates to his second coming, because that's what he's talking about, the end of the world. And so he's trying to alert his church to go back and explore or at least understand that the similar type of event that took place in the original Exodus, the freeing of Israel from Egypt, the type of the world, is very symbolic in how he's speaking to his church that would be alive in the last days. And so he uses the phrase midnight. It's Passover speak. You know, it, it's referencing right. Passover. And they would have understood that as he's giving it, right? Because, you know, Jerusalem was filled with hundreds of thousands of people. They were all there to celebrate the Passover. And his disciples are sitting with him on the Mount of Olives, and he speaks of midnight. And in their minds, the whole Passover story is fresh and alive. And so whether they understood it or, or not at that moment, he's trying to generate that kind of a of of a of a trigger, if you will, in their heads, as to something significant, and and to to our understanding of about about his second coming has to do with Passover. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, it's a powerful uh, key uh, in a, in a connection uh, for for us to understand students of the Bible um to so that the word of god can further open itself because you know uh, when we think of midnight the way it's classically thought taught is it speaks of the end times and, and yes. that's correct but if we don't understand what you're talking about uh that midnight is it's is pointing us to passover because when jesus is is, is is teaching this uh this parable it's during passover season and so when he refers to midnight and he's talking to a jewish people they understand these things yeah, they understand what he's talking about. So when you understand that midnight points to Passover, it just com it just opens up the scripture, the parable, his teaching at a whole nother level. So it's powerful right. what what we're what we're saying right now, and you have to make that connection. 
So it, 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 when, when the word midnight is, is mentioned, it should immediately now trigger something in, in your spirit that says, okay, that's Passover talk. So that means yes. I have to study Passover to fully understand to, uh, and, uh, and so I can get information to unlock the parable itself. Right, and and, That's and, right. And, and and understand the wisdom and and the revelation hidden in it. Very good. Yes. That's exactly right. That's and good. and that's why that's why what we're looking at here. First of all, wait a minute, brother Jeremy. What we're looking at here is is it, again, like brother Fernando, you were just saying, is a key to understanding what he's relating. And remember how we started uh, talking about virgins and bridegrooms, and we talked about Passover season being the time when in the Jewish. Uh, uh, mind it was it was the time that they would cut covenant and in, enter into marriage contracts and that it would be a year later when they would return at the same time passover time to then come and get their bride and take them home and so it's interesting that he actually uh is referring to his return at a passover season right midnight you were gonna say brother jeremy Yes, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I think you you alluded that we're going to go to that scripture. But to understand Passover, we have to go to Exodus eleven and twelve, and, and I think you'll probably yeah, hit which that. Is, yeah, which is where we're headed right now. So if you if you wouldn't okay. mind going over there, I'm going to have you read two two places in scripture. But I want to lay this sure. premise, like Brother Fernando said it very well, which was that yes. Jesus is drawing our attention to midnight, and 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 yes. for us who aren't familiar with celebrating Passover every year. Um, those that heard him in his day understood exactly what he was talking about. Exactly. They're fresh in there. It'd be like us talking to kids nowadays about Christmas, right? They'll they'll start thinking about the 12 days of Christmas or Christmas trees or Santa Claus, unfortunately. That's what everyone thinks about right nowadays. Well, in the Gentile mind, you say Christmas, they think all that stuff. In the in the in the Jewish mind, when Jesus is given this story, he talks about midnight. They start thinking about Passover lambs and, and blood on the doorposts and Pharaoh and Egypt, right? And and, and something, some, some other really cool stuff we're going to look at here. And why Jesus told us uh, to look at it was because it is meant to identify, as we dig deep into it, the time frame within which he's talking about here that he's going to return. There are several things that occur during the Passover and, and taking that lens and applying it to the marriage of the 10 virgins and what Jesus is revealing there that you will begin to see. It can be no other time but the last mm-hmm. time. And, and this is why we're, what we're going to look at. First of all, I'll go over to uh, Exodus 11.4. And, and could you read that, uh, Brother Jeremy, to us? Yes. It says, and Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt. Yes, and so about midnight I'm going to go out. It's interesting the phrasing he uses there because uh, (laughs) he doesn't say at midnight. He says around midnight. Yeah. And 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 yet when he reveals it later in 11:29, I mean I think it's 12:29. Let me look here. Yes. Can you read 12:29 to us, brother Jeremy? Uh, it says right here. Okay. When it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh 
that sat on the throne unto the firstborn of the captives that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Yeah, so we're talking about judgment here, right? But when we read in Exodus 11.4, he says around midnight to Pharaoh. In, in Exodus 12.29, it's specifically at midnight that the judgment actually came. And so I believe that one of the first things that Jesus is trying to draw our attention to is to understand why the difference. Right. Why does he say around midnight to Pharaoh, and yet when the actual judgment comes, it's it's not around midnight, it's at midnight. Correct? Mm. Yeah. Wow. So there's reasons for that. There's reasons for that. One and, and you guys can speculate on this too as, as well, is is, um, is 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 it's not given to the world to really understand the times of the seasons, right? It's not for right, them right. to know. Yet God will, uh, Moses, in, in a sense, by speaking for the Lord, is preaching to the world and saying judgment is coming and it's going to be around this time. <laughs> but, Amen. but you, good. it's That's not for to know. Right, it's not for you to know, but his children have definite instruction, and that's what the Lord, I believe, is trying to say when He says, "A couple of things you need to understand. I'm going to tell you when the judgment's coming." Ah, oh, yes. come on, somebody! <laughs> right, right. Because that uh, in Exodus 12:29, He says it's at midnight that this happens. He's talking to His own people, but when He talks to the world or the compromised, if you will, it's around midnight. You know, it's going to happen around this time. <laughs> But but they don't have specific information. But when he's giving the parable, he doesn't say, and around midnight there was a cry heard. No, he says it was specifically at midnight that a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom cometh. So he draws our attention. Yes. You you made me think of the Apostle Paul when he speaks in Thessalonians. When he tells, uh, you know, that that he's coming like a thief in the night, right? But then he clarifies, but you, he said, you should know better, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, you know. That that day, right, should not take you right. unaware, right? There you go. The children, there you go. The children of Israel were, were, were specifically, uh, it is revealed in Exodus 12, 29, what happened and, and, and the precise time that it happened. Whereas Pharaoh and all his court, they're being warned, but they're not told specifically when whereas specific information is given to his children it happens at midnight now so those are some things to chew on some little nuggets to look at and to consider because there's so much more there but i also want to go on a little bit further because something happens at midnight and when we read this it's going to be even a further piece of the puzzle to us who are looking at this parable as to when the specific time is that we know the Lord is coming. Now, again, he drew our attention to midnight in the Passover, the original Passover. And what we also see that occurs then is, is read verse 22 and 23, would you, Brother Jeremy? Of, of chapter, chapter tw- uh, 12, I think it is. Yeah, 12. Okay. 22 and 23. It says, yes. and ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin." And strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out 
at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come unto your houses to smite you. Okay, so there's all kinds of stuff there but uh that we could look at, but we wanna we wanna focus in on that last part right there. Who's coming through the land at midnight? It's the destroyer. Right? Right. Are you there? <laughs> yes, yes, no, this, yes, right. Right? So by Jesus referring to midnight, like we've been talking about, there's specific things that we know happened at midnight. One of them is is there there is a a true group of people who are washed in the blood, so to speak. They have the blood applied. They have a mark applied to their houses, and 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 the destroyer can't touch them. But we know that he's coming, and so by that he I think he's alerting us to a time specific, because. <clears throat> If you go to the book of Revelation and, and you read in there, it gives us an insight to, you know, to make a strong case concerning this parable being the, our time and also being time specific uh, d- uh, by hinting at us who comes at midnight. It's the destroyer that comes. Okay, Brother Fernandez, if you have your Bible, could you look at Revelation chapter 9 11? 9 11? Yeah. I believe this is why the Lord is drawing our attention to midnight, amongst many other truths which can be, you know, which can also be drawn. But He's giving us specific, pointed language in order that we might understand the timing of it and when these, when this church is existing, this wise and foolish church He's been teaching us about, and He's using very descriptive Passover language. And 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 so when he references midnight, we know two things are going to happen. One is that the children of Israel, in in our case, the church is about to be delivered. But also, we cannot ignore the fact that it's at that time as well that the destroyer is released into the world. Can you read that in nine eleven there in Revelation? And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is. In the Hebrew tongue, it's Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue, at this name, Apollyon. Apollyon. So if you actually look up Abaddon or Apollyon in, in your Greek or Hebrew uh, lexicon, you'll see that his name actually does mean destroyer. Are you familiar with that? Yes, yes. <laughs> right? Amen. He is, the, he is the destroyer. And so Jesus is being very time-specific here in referencing his second coming by pointing out midnight, he draws our attention to the Exodus story because it was at midnight that both the children of God were released, but judgment would come and the destroyer would be loosed into Egypt. I believe he's referencing that. I believe that he's trying to alert us to the fact that when that time arrives, the destroyer is also going to be released. He's going to come. He's referencing the Antichrist as well by having us look to that time frame of midnight now mm. <laughs> anybody want to comment on that no it's powerful <laughs> that that, yeah. that he's, he's declaring again it's the principle we always talk about and and try to uh, uh continuously uh speak to the people and the listeners about that and that key is that he declares the end from the beginning the beginning from the end 
So in 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 the Exodus uh, uh, from Egypt, we're we're finding hidden truths concerning the end. Um, so the mm-hmm. fact that the the Bible uh, calls or the Holy Spirit calls this this death angel the destroyer uh, is it it an illusion. He's referring to that same destroyer that will appear at the end. And again, yeah. it, it's it's all connected with the the uh the Passover, which is the key to unlocking end time events. So yeah. that that's what we're seeing here. Amen. And 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 uh and Brother Jeremy, could you uh turn over to Exodus chapter let me see here, I have it in my notes here. Exodus chapter twelve. Are you there? Yes. Yes. And and notice again we're we're going back and forth between Matthew twenty five six so we identify midnight as twofold, right? It, he's signaling that it, at midnight that his children are going to be released. The cry is going to be made. It, it still mm. hasn't taken place, but it's the signaling and determining factor that he's on his way at midnight, right? Also at midnight, by studying that Passover reference, we see that uh, that the destroyer is released at midnight. So I believe because he's dealing with the end of the world and just prior to his second coming, that he's trying to get us to look at it that way and understand that a destroyer again will be released, the destroyer. In Revelation chapter 9-11, he's going to be released again. And and so all of these events are going to transpire around the same time. And it's how we know this parable is specifically dealing with the last days, the end time just prior to the second coming of the Lord. And he also makes another Passover reference in that at the end of verse 6 where he says behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him he's trying to mm-hmm. signal to that last day church that that all these confluent events are going to take place it's going to be the midnight hour and all that that symbolizes the release of the destroyer the declaration that Jesus is coming and it's going to necessitate uh, a, a the people going out that's the that's passover that, that the people go out. That's the Passover speak. And, and within it are prophetic hints, truths, and keys to understanding how we identify our time and how close we really are. Exodus chapter 12, listen for the word out, verse 33. Would you read that, Jeremy? Yes. It says, And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We be all dead men <laughs> so here we have right get out of here jesus is saying get ye out right he's he's he he references the out or the coming out read verse uh chapter 12 verse 41 through 43 look how many times the word out is used uh, 41 to 43 right yeah yes okay. okay and it came to pass that at the end of the 430 years even the same day Right. It came to pass that all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord. Yes. For for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. That is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. Praise and God. the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. 
Praise God. And then verse 51. Verse 51. And it came to pass the selfsame day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. By their armies. Praise God. So see how many times he says they came out, they came out, they came out, right? How many times did he say, referencing on this night you came out, on that night you came out, right? I mean, again, when Jesus says uh, about the Passover, he he's he's referencing the midnight hour, and and at the end in in Revelation, I mean in Matthew chapter twenty-five verse six, he says, "Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out." He's trying to trigger their understanding. And he's trying and subsequently to trigger our understanding that when these things begin to happen like this, it is just going to be like the Passover. The destroyer is coming, but his children are going to be taken out. I don't know if you know what I'm saying, but that's what he's saying. And he's also telling them, he, he's, he's also telling them, you, he says, uh, what does it say here? It says that you must observe, observe. Do she said it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord to bring them out from the land of Egypt, right? But but it's yes. something that he points, observe, look at this with intent. Yes. This is a signal that will come also and bring it from to your generations, right? He says, That's Observe right. of all the children of Israel in their generations. Continue to remind them every generation because it's speaking to us. That's that's how our our deliverance is coming out of this world. Yes, and and out of this story, right? That's good. He, yes. that's, that's that's why he repeated the story, and they still do to this day. I mean, Passover right. is one of the high three feasts, right? And they do it every single Passover. They gather around the table. They retell the story. They eat the particular food they eat. They have unleavened bread. They eat bitter herbs. I mean, they're they're retelling this same story every single Passover since they were let out of Egypt almost what four thousand years ago. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so when, when Jesus references it, he's 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 trying to open our eyes and 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 get us to see just what you're saying, brother Jeremy, to be observed. That's why he wants us to observe it. He wants us to pay attention to it. And one of the things you just read there in Exodus chapter 12, uh, verse 40 and 41, is, is I find very fascinating because it's part of what he drew our attention to. He talks about specific day, specific time. Nobody could have known that but God, right. right? So he says, only my Father in heaven knows the day and the hour. But look what he reads here in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 40. He says, the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years, just like he told Abraham, right? It would be. And then he says, and it came to pass at the end of 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that the Lord of, uh, the, that all the hosts of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. What's fascinating to me is Jesus says, no man knows the day or the hour, but my father in heaven does, right? God knew 430 years to the day. God knew it. And 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 that's when he brought them out. So he's kind of letting us know there is a specific day. It's only known to my father. But if you'll pay attention to the story, you'll see he hasn't forgotten. He's been watching all along. 
right? Because remember when Abraham cut that covenant and, and that, that burning lamp came out of heaven and walked between those pieces? And, and, he, and a great horror of darkness came down on, on Abraham. I believe it's in Genesis 15. And God yes. reveals to them that, that they would be in Egypt. His children, his generations would be taken captive into Egypt and become slaves but that he would let them out 430 years later when that happened. Only yes. God could do, could do that. And why he, Moses is emphasizing this is to let us know, and why Jesus draws our attention is to let us know God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten his church. Jesus hasn't forgotten his church. There is an appointed day, and he wants us to know the day's coming. And you might know around and when, you know, you can see the times and the seasons, but God knows the exact day, and that day is coming quickly. And and that's what he's drawing our attention to. Anybody want to comment on that? Uh, Brother Marty, that word observe in the in the uh, Hebrew, <laughs> it, it, you, you know, it means, it means here to, it's a night watch. It mm-hmm. means watching and vigil. That's what the word observe means. It means night watch. You know, that's that's interesting. It's very specific, right? <laughs> right, and that's, what, you know? <laughs> and that's what he says in Matthew 25, 13, right? Watch, yes, therefore. Right. Watch, therefore. It's all about Passover. <laughs> this whole parable is <laughs> being given during the Passover. You know, many people have taught that Jesus will return during the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's correct because the marriage contract is always fulfilled when he comes to get his bride around Passover time. I think that the fact, and this is, I'm just accelerating in my thoughts here and people can take it or leave it for whatever it's worth. But the fact that the entire world has changed as we sit here today on what is June 22nd, 2020, it was Passover season that where we entered into all this crazy madness, right? Something was released, if you can see it, during right. this season, this year. Something's been released. It, it is as if we've reached that midnight hour. It, it, it appears that the destroyer is beginning to move through the land. Why do you say that? I say that because of the desecration of, of everything holy, of the vile and violent nature of the judgment that's coming upon the face of the earth. We've got death. We've got the sword, we've got famine, we've got all these things breaking out simultaneously right at the Passover season. To the world, it should be a signal that, that, that the destroyer is on his way, so to speak, that Antichrist figure. Because the Bible teaches that it's going to come out of a sense of chaos, out of a sense of unease, where the world, we've, we haven't really dug into it deeply, but we've referenced it, which we did our, our podcast on the on the 10 kings, right, that rise out of the book of Revelation and give their power to the Antichrist. There's that first verse in Revelation chapter 13 that talks about a beast rising up out of the sea. And the sea we know in the book of Revelation is descriptive of all the peoples of the world, that there's going to be a collective desire for some kind of surveillance global state to be implemented to bring order out of chaos. And if you'll be honest, those of you listening as well as, you know, us together, brother, if we'll be honest and really think about it, we don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> You're, right, I mean, right. when they start telling us about this disease, right, you know, everybody's freaking out and, you know, all that stuff. 
And then they come a few weeks later and say, well, maybe it ain't as bad as we thought. And then you get another message over here, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You need a vaccine. No, you don't need a vaccine. Right. Right. right? So you're, you're hearing all of this stuff, and all it's done is create a climate and in the minds of people where they have nothing to attach a sure foundation to. The mind has become incredibly pliable now. And it's going to get worse because even when they began here in the United States to begin to release the people to go out and do something, immediately we have these incidents that now we have anarchists marching through our streets and all over the Western world, not just our streets now, tearing statues down, burning down churches, you know, desecrating anything that represents anything that might bring a semblance to God or any past historical events. So now we have violence, we have chaos, we have leaders that are rebelling against established protocol and foundational truths, both in the political and military specter. We've got a church that has no answers. We have an establishment that can bring no light to anything. And what this serves to do is create a climate of chaos and desperation for something real. What do I believe? I don't know. The world is being set up, if you can see it, for that wicked one, that destroyer is coming. And he's going to come onto the world stage in a very much descriptive climate like it is now. Remember what the Bible says about the destroyer, about the Antichrist, that he will seek to change what? Times, historic, time, history, and seasons. And is it any wonder that his dark children are running around the world right now in the West tearing down anything that has anything to do with anything historical? They're trying to change the times. We already see that his spirit is moving through the land, giving expression through the rebellious children of the world. Someone and, sent and me a to, Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Finish, finish that thought. Okay. Somebody sent me a photo the other day of one of the marches. And in that photo was this this uh, this guy carrying a poster, and he had written on it, if Jesus comes uh, again, uh, we're going to crucify him again. That's what it yeah, said on we'll the poster. Him. No, sir. We'll, we'll kill him. Kill him. Again. We'll kill him again. We'll kill right? him. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. I, I so looked at think... that and I, I looked at that and I said, "Good luck." Yeah, He's absolutely not right. For that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The point is, brother. The point is, though, right? Is that the attack yeah. isn't? A, it's not about George Floyd. Give me a break. It ain't about right. that guy that they the officer killed. It might have started out that way with a few people, but this is not about that. They're coming for you and they're coming for me. They're coming for anyone that has a, that, that that represents the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's right. And, and this That's is right, brother. <laughs> and, and and remember yeah. that that the Lord is telling us uh, in this parable that that that's why you have to pay attention to this story, because the destroyer is being released. But when you begin to go down the pathway of what He's revealing, then more Scripture and more light is given. And and that is why we're looking at this in this way. This is a Passover season that began a global pandemic that has given way to tremendous global instability. While people have been sleeping here in the U.S., we've been seeing China on the rise, fighting with India on the border, two major nuclear powers going at it over a, a border dispute. 20 Indian soldiers were just killed the other day in clashes with the Chinese military. Now they're engaged in, in incredible uh, military exercises up there in that part of the world. 
You've got Russia flying in major bombing fleets 39 miles from, from Alaska the other day, just three days ago. And, and we had to send up our, our jets to, to turn those planes around. What are they doing? They're prodding. They're prodding. It's looking for weaknesses while the whole general public is asleep. And then you've got the streets burning down. You've got anarchists taking over major U.S. cities. You've got people rioting in London and Greece and France and Italy. This is insanity. And, and, and what is happening has all begun right around the Passover season. And I think if we have eyes to see, it is quite possibly that we have crossed over into that midnight hour that Jesus drew our attention to. And yes. by doing so, and what we see taking place right now, we possibly have begun to see the unleashing or the, um, you know, the, the forerunning evidence of the spirit of Antichrist that's not too far away from making his appearance in the not-too-distant future. You were going to say? Yeah, we have to understand, well, <clears throat> Brother Marty, the spirit of the age is meant to deceive not so much the world, but the church. Understand that. It is meant to deceive the church. We spoke about this before uh, the program started. How is the church being deceived? Do we see evidence of it? Absolutely. For example, the rally that took place, right? Uh, The the presidential rally in Oklahoma. What did the second most powerful uh, man in this nation, who is a Christian, by the way, say when he closed his... his, uh, uh, his message to the nation. He quoted Chronicles 7.14, right, where, where it says, if my people which are called by my name. It sounds good because he's quoting scripture. Right. But if you listen to it, he said, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. It says, then God will do what he's always done. He will hear from heaven and heal our land. And I stood there and heard this, and I said, oh, my God. He completely omitted, did not mention, and turned from their wicked ways. I'm a, Think right. about that. So what, yeah, what, why, why he didn't say it, I don't know. Does he think that we're still a nation that's being blessed by God and he's going to bless us while we're in our sins? I don't know. But this is what the modern church in America thinks, that we are still yeah. God's people and he's going to bless us in our sins. <laughs> and we're yeah. being deceived. You know what I mean? And and and, yeah. and and so the deception that's coming to this to to the to the church, right? It's here, and that's why it's causing a slumbering. Yeah. You know, in, in connection with what we're talking about with the parable. So I'm sorry to say it, but our vice president was dead wrong. He will God will not bless this nation if we pray. Just pray. We need to repent from our wicked ways and humble yes. ourselves. Yes. And and brother, that's that's really incredibly symbolic when we're talking now we're talking about current events. You know, we've accelerated two thousand years into the future from the parable and we're seeing these things. It is the hardest thing for the American church to get its head around. You know, I don't I don't want to, you know, name names or anything like that, but Someone sent my 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 precious wife uh, 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 a video of of a pastor that was saying, and I get this, 
this is a highly respected guy, I guess, and a bunch of followers and lots of people listen to this guy. And so this lady sends her this video and she's all excited because the message that we've been talking about over the last several, March 15th and 19th, whenever we started till now, the podcast we've been doing is the complete opposite of what, what uh, these preachers are saying. And so he, one of the things that he said was that the whole COVID-19 the whole collapse of the American economy, the whole destabilization of the workforce, all of this, he said, was a strategic plan by the president to, uh, to, to like pull wool over everybody and emerge from it with some kind of, you know, incredible the sleight of hand, you know, he's, he's like, it's, he's got it all in control. It's this master plan, like the great puppeteer. Wow. And and they all and they're all like, well, yeah, you know, and uh, this is it. That's what that's what's really happening. This is all a ruse, and you know, we're gonna come out of this bigger, better, brighter than ever. That's what that that's just insanity. They don't want to hear it. They were talking, and she writes her this long, lengthy thing back to her because Debbie responded to it and said, you know, that ain't that ain't accurate basically <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and we need to be looking for the coming of the lord is basically what she told her so she gets back this massively long response from this person and in it she says well you know i've been writing this book for for many many years now i haven't published it yet but you know we have promises from the god that the wealth of the wicked has been stored up for the righteous and and we're going to need all this money so that we can evangelize the world. We still got this great kingdom expression that has to take place. And I just thought, you know what? You are so deceived and so uh, deluded that you can't see what is actually taking place because you have no oil. You're symptomatic wow. of the of the larger uh, American church expression. Just like you said, the vice president gets up there, he quotes half a scripture. And tries to apply the blessing of that scripture without the humility and the repentance. Because the American church does not want to repent. It doesn't even think it's got to repent of anything. It it has hitched itself to to this president, the current president. And they view him as if he's, some view him as if he's the Messiah himself. Some have even called him the Messiah or the great Cyrus of the Old Testament. Others have used him. Uh, for their own benefit with the promises of, of, of delivering the vote, you know, so that he can stay in power. This is so corrupt. And then when the when the vice president comes out and doesn't call us to repentance but wants to attribute to our nation the blessing, you're right, brother. We're in trouble. Midnight has come. And the days of this nation's greatness have, have, have quite possibly uh, its decline. And it's been well underway. But its decline is is rapidly approaching. See, the message is definite now at the midnight hour. It's the mark of the true message. You know, brothers, when we finish part three on Friday, and we'll we'll go to part five tomorrow, by the way. We're in part four right now. But when we finish part three on Friday and and we went our separate ways, I had this sense come over me. Because we've been talking about the return of the Lord you know, in all yeah. these podcasts, that he's coming. That's 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 what we feel the Lord has called us to do in all the varying ways that we can express that, that he's on his way and that we need to get ready and we need to make ourselves right with God. But when when I got off the podcast with you guys the other day, I had this sense come over me that, and, and it's true, right? I mean, it's like 
talking about the return of Jesus Christ is like the most foreign thing that the church is not even familiar with anymore. They don't even talk about right. Jesus coming. They don't even talk about right. Jesus. Right. <laughs> Let alone his coming. Right. <laughs> right. And that's why I believe when the Lord points out here in Matthew 25, verse 6, going back to that midnight thing, he says, a cry is made. And that's what we were talking about is the word made or the cry that's made is a loud call that shatters the deafening silence of, 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 of no message or no insight. It's made, it, it appears on the scene as if it's some kind of strange phenomena is what he's implying. And that it'll wake up his people and it will be the thing that begins to separate his people, the true from the false, the, the wise from the foolish. So this cry is being made and, and, and the specific message is how we will begin to identify who is real and who isn't in this time. All this other fake, you know, empty pseudo false prophecies that are going on out there, none of them are Christ-centered or the return of the Lord-centered. It's about carrying on where we were before all this happened and getting worse because that's all they're doing. They're doubling down, man, <laughs> right? They're just doubling yeah, down. Know, Brother Marty, <laughs> uh, around March 15th, I'm not sure if I have the date correct, when we began to do these podcasts, brother, and I remember the exact words when, when you said, when we come out of this, we're going to wake up to a different world. And two churches are are going to emerge, yeah. right? One yeah. that is that is holding hand in hand with you know political movement with the false church, and then a small remnant church, you know. Yes. And mm-hmm. just like you know, we said it, and it sounded crazy, right? <laughs> but that's exactly <laughs> the sense that I get, you know, mm-hmm. that I have that I don't recognize. I don't recognize this nation no more, you know. It, it, yes. It's, you know, we're heading towards the end, to the culmination, to the frontier, as you said it once, Brother Marty, to the frontier, yeah. to the end, where everything will culminate. And like you're saying, this midnight, what we're speaking about, the midnight hour, is a twofold, a twofold call. One that tells us judgment is coming, and the other one is our salvation from this world is coming too. So, you know, it's it's something that we've been saying and harping on since the beginning. Yeah. We're going to come out to a new, and that's exactly how, at least the way I feel, you know, yes. we have emerged in this hour. Look, I was talking to my 17-year-old daughter, and I spoke to her, and, and, and I said, you know, it, it feels like when your generation is in a bubble and you're being suffocated. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're being suffocated into this one world order. And I said, think about it. Look what's just happened in the last few weeks. I said, the the thing that stands between our freedom and speech and tyranny is law enforcement in the land. They (laughs) enforce our rights. I said, what's happening? The leftist, uh, 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 liberal, you know, uh, agenda socialist agenda is making law enforcement bow down. They are trying wow. to control the very thing 
that they are going to use to enforce their agenda. Yes. So it's a struggle of power in the land. If they can make law enforcement to bow their knee to their agenda, once it's under their control, they are not going to protect your freedom of religion. Right. And I'm not talking about years down the road here. Right. It's happening we now. Have, we, yeah. We may have four years of, okay, it might be held back, or we may not. But they're already telling you what they're going to do by the, the by the by removing of, of monuments and statues. Who, who do you think they're coming after? Yes. They're going to change laws? They're coming after the Daniels of the world. Yes, they are. Who are praying. Yes. They're going to arrest them. Yes. This is how serious this is. It's happening before yes. your very own eyes. They're telling you what they're about to do. It's already happening. Yes. Do we have eyes to see? Are you awake? Yes. That's, <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's right. the question, right? Again, let's let's just close with this. And, and again, we're, we're we haven't even got past verse six, but 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 it's important because we're not playing games here. Right. You know, imagine brothers and sisters out there that are listening to us. Imagine what the Lord has done. And I say this humbly because it, it was not our intention. When this first thing started to happen back on, on, on the March when we got together and started doing these podcasts, it was out of sense out of a sense of a real stirring of the spirit that we need we felt like we needed to express some thoughts, right? But that grew into what we see today, which is almost three and a half months later. We have done a podcast every single day with the exception of the weekends, right? When, and even at first we went complete weekends. Uh, but now we're, we're doing a podcast every single day. And every single day the Lord is saying the same thing. I'm coming. And perilous times have begun. And and we don't do this because we ain't got nothing else to do. It's It's because we're feeling compelled and driven you can't do this trust me you cannot do what we're doing in these podcasts unless the lord strengthens you to do it you can't do That's it right it's almost right. like we've been we've been in this repentance revival for three months <laughs> you yeah, can't yeah. do it you can't do this on your own strength so i know because we've been around a little bit at least that this is the spirit of god moving us and and really the message that the Lord is having us teach and bring out is 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 of such a nature that you either believe it or you don't. I mean, because when you go away from these podcasts, you can't really uh, you can't go away going. I wonder what they're talking about, or I wonder what they're really saying. <laughs> We're saying Jesus right. is coming, man, <laughs> and, right. and that the world has entered into a new phase that is quite possibly what the Bible has told us all along would happen. And again, we're going to pick this up again tomorrow because because the message is what begins to divide. Because remember right, right. these tents, right? These tents started right. out, and we've already. Haven't you guys? I know we had early on, we had testimonies, both good and people that were troubled by what we were saying. And then there were some that started with us, and then they kind of went, wow, this is too heavy, man. <laughs> I can't listen to this. Freaked out. <laughs> yeah, freaked out. And I, and I remember going, uh, thinking in those days, going, what are you talking about? I mean, we're reading the Bible to you. You know, we're reading the Bible that you claim to believe. And and But, you know, anyway. But the message is what what Jesus is pointing to is going to divide. 
because that's what ends up happening between the five wise and the five foolish. But it's not until this message, brother, this message that the bridegroom is coming that, that begins to break apart the false from the true, the wise from the foolish. And we want to we talk about that because that's what we see, we believe, happening in our country is that you are going to see a more aggressive church that is foolish begin to attack the wise and, and make demands of them. But ultimately, it's right. the Lord who, ste- right, who steps in and, and splits the two by the very message that, that shatters the silence. I was thinking about this over the weekend because before we get to this cry being made at midnight, it says they all uh, slumbered and slept. And, and I was thinking, wow, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but... They're they're asleep because there's no real message being made by this time that they fall asleep. It's just pablum, man. It's it's empty sermonettes. They fall asleep oh. under that kind of preaching, right? But what woke them up? Hallelujah! <laughs> right? Hallelujah! Woke them up. Yes, right. It, it, and 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 we believe that's where we are right now. Is that we're being woken up, and 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 there's going to be two responses. There's going to be one that says, uh, I, you know, we, we're we're the foolish, and there's going to be the other one. Okay, we hear you, Lord. It's time to go out and meet the Lord. And, and so we'll pick yeah. it up here tomorrow because the response is they, you're going to have to leave. And this is the, going to be the hardest thing for people to wrap their heads around because we have been indoctrinated in a formalized religious, religious system whether it's denominational or hyper-charismatic or Pentecostal or Catholic, whichever way you want to look at it, there's form, structure, and and religious ritual that has evolved and become what is labeled as having church. But at this time, something specific and defining causes people to have to come out, and we'll look at that tomorrow. Because there is specific instruction given in the book of Revelation to his people at this time that are witnessing what Jesus is referencing here, where it is said, come out of her, my people, that you be not a partaker of her sins, nor receive of her judgments, her plagues. The hardest thing for people right now is going to be defining how to approach their God when they have never cultivated a relationship with him. See, the five wise have, have the oil. They know how to get a hold of God. They've had it all along. They fell asleep because it just seemed like, right? But when they wake up, they know how to go to the supply, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And and that's what becomes ever more evident as we go along in verse 7, because they all wake up and they begin to trim their lamps. And, And that means to cut away. Uh, from the wick, right? It's the wick that lights the the the, the flame. The, the 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 light is by the wick, and and it's when they begin to cut their lamps, which is very symbolic. What Jesus is referring to there is you. They're going to begin to examine the word, cut away things that that they saw in the word or didn't see in the word. But only five of them have the oil to give light in the midst of the darkness and make sense of the word at this time. The other five don't. And that's going to be made more and more evident in these days just ahead of us as we continue to look at the parable of the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. He's saying, behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. 
and the separation is beginning. We're going to explore that more tomorrow in part five, and we pray today has been a blessing. We love you. Brothers, any last things you'd like to say? Amen. amen. I'll, uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave the listener with um, the uh, verses in First Thessalonians chapter 5 that we spoke about earlier. Um, and when Paul's writing, he gives an allusion as well to Passover, I believe. He says, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For, you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come in as a thief in the night. The word night there is, it has the same definitions as yeah. the word midnight. Uh, it, it means uh, a time of moral stupidity and darkness, a time of death. We spoke about the death angel coming at midnight, yeah. right? It says, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction. He spoke about the destroyer. In, in Revelations and in, in the destroying That's angel in, in Passover, yes. right? It, it comes yes. upon them as travail yes. upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, remember there was yes. light with the children of Israel, and there was yes. a darkness that could be felt in, with, with, with the Egyptians, right? And, and he's saying, right. but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And then, and then in connection with the parable uh, of Matthew 25, therefore let us not sleep as uh-huh. do others, but let us watch and be sober, for they that sleep sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus yes. Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort. This is what we're doing. Yes. yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Amen. Amen. I, I, I really believe, I think it's pretty clear that we have made a case of what we believe the Lord is talking about when he speaks about the midnight hour. You have ears to hear. Because what it comes down to, everything that you've gone through in your life has brought you to this point of your life where you are going to have to make a decision. A decision. uh, It's not going to be made for you. You're going to have to make it. And we pray that you've been blessed today and we look forward to uh, studying the word of God together this week and coming yes. back tomorrow to continue to expand on what the Lord is saying in this hour. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep looking up.